0: I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Hebrews. Today is episode 876, and we're looking at Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Let's read our passage. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, faith in Christ, teaching about ritual washings, laying on of hands the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and we will do this if God permits. For it is impossible to renew to repentance those who were once enlightened, who tasted the heavenly gift, who shared in the Holy Spirit, who tasted God's good word and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away. This is because to their own harm they're re-crucifying the Son of God and holding him up to contempt. For the ground that drinks the rain that often falls on it, that produces vegetation useful to those for whom it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it produces thorns and thistles, it is worthless and about to be cursed, and the end will be burned. This is the book of Hebrews. It is a letter or a written sermon to a group of Jewish Christians who are tempted To fall away from Christianity back into Judaism because there's persecution for Christianity now in the Roman Empire. And the author is pointing out that that would be a a, a grave mistake to leave Christianity, to fall away from Christ, because there's nothing equivalent, nothing as good. Christ is better. He's superior to angels, superior to Moses, superior to the Old Testament priesthood. In fact, He is the great high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And he's saying, basically, you guys have slipped in your spiritual maturity. You need to go back to the basics of what God has said. That takes us to the current passage now in chapter 6. Before we go through this, just some disclaimers. Everyone will agree this is the most difficult passage to understand in the book of Hebrews. Many people say this is probably the most difficult passage to understand in the entire New Testament. And it is difficult. So we approach this with a great deal of humility and a great deal of carefulness, in that we don't just jump onto something because somebody said this or it seems good. There are a lot of smart people who've argued very convincing arguments in a variety of ways for. Hundreds of years about this passage, so lest we say this is how it is and tie it up with a neat bow. Let's approach this with a great deal of humility. One of the problems is we can't enter this without a lot of presuppositions, and that's where you try to get your presuppositions out and understand. One of the entering questions here is what's your understanding about Christians losing their salvation? And that's going to taint how you read this, how you understand it. Then there's also uh, a lot of questions about the punctuation of things, how you break up the sentences, how you uh, have various portions of this passage modify other portions, and what words even mean. And so let's move through this carefully and see what we can make of it. It begins in verse 1. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teaching about Christ and go on to maturity. Now, he's just said, you guys are spiritually immature. You need to relearn the basics. Now, it seems like he's saying, so forget the basics. Let's get mature. So, what's he saying here? And and how do we understand this? And the big question is how do they understand it. So, they've been immature for too long and so the fix of this is to move on to maturity to basically the thing he's talking about is understand this high priesthood concept of Christ because that is the mature part that they don't get or is he just challenging them okay leave that immaturity behind and move on to maturity either either way works and it's a challenge to, Move on, get beyond this immaturity and move into maturity. He says, not laying again, a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith in God. So this first part is what it's not. So moving on, maturity is not doing this foundational stuff again, which is two parts of it, repentance from dead works and foundation of faith in God. Now, dead works, some think that means probably following the law, trying to receive righteousness through following the law, being dead works. Others think it means actually doing evil things, and frankly, I don't know which it means. The point here is doing the wrong things, either doing things that are evil or doing things that aren't going to receive righteousness in hopes that they will but we're not going over that again because that's foundational stuff and faith in God that's foundational And verse two so instead moving on to maturity involves teaching about several things here and one of the questions about breaking up the sentence even is this teaches about ritual washing, laying on of hands and other things is teaching linked just to ritual washings or is he really saying teachings about Ritual washings, teaching about laying on of hands, teaching about the resurrection of the dead, teaching about eternal judgment. I think it's the latter. I think that uh, teaching, it's about these four things. And that's part of moving on to maturity, is being taught about these things. And some of these are not entirely Christian, they're not entirely Jewish. It kind of crosses the lines there like ritual washings, the word that gets translated here is baptismo. So he's telling teachings about baptisms. Now, what does he mean when he says baptisms? Because the word baptize just means to immerse. And that was something that was done in Judaism. People were actually baptized in Judaism. So that's why when John the Baptist was baptizing, nobody was saying, what is it you're doing? They were saying, why are you doing this? Is the point here teaching about basically the difference between the Jewish baptisms and the Christian baptisms? I think so. It actually is plural. So teaching about baptisms, the various types of baptisms, what they mean. The laying on of hands, which was done in Judaism, done in Christianity. It was done for a variety of reasons, essentially for the setting apart. This person, there's... Something about them, we're laying our hands on them for one reason or another. teaches about the resurrection of the dead. Well, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection of the dead, Christians believe in the resurrection of the dead, but teaching about eternal things like that, and teaching about eternal judgment. Now all these are things that at least pharisaical Jews believed in, particularly the resurrection of the dead. But there's a much fuller understanding in Christianity. And so, since they're on this fence here between going back to Judaism and sticking with Christianity, it, it would seem that going on to maturity would be understanding the fuller meaning of these things in Christianity. And verse 3, And we will do this if God permits. Some think this actually is the key verse in this whole passage. We will do this if God permits. Normally read this just kind of, oh yeah, meaning if God permits, we're just going to move on to maturity. But some think he's really saying if God permits you in this population I'm talking to, to move into maturity, because he may not permit it. He may not allow you to move into maturity. Then we get into the tough stuff here, verse 4, for it is impossible to renew to repentance those who were once enlightened, who tasted the heavenly gift, who shared in the Holy Spirit, who tasted God's good word and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away. Okay, the first question here is, is he speaking about believers here? And this is where often our preconceived ideas drive us to a conclusion, because it sounds like falling away means losing their salvation, particularly with the language there in verse 6 about the re-crucifying the Son of God, holding him up to contempt. So let's not jump into that, is this talking about a loss of salvation? Because if you say, well, you can't lose your salvation, well, then he must not be talking about believers. If you can, then he's probably just talking about believers, because it sure sounds like he's talking about believers. And that's where I think, if we're really honest here, it sure sounds like he's talking about believers. Let's begin in beginning of verse four. For it's impossible to renew to repentance. Now, renew to repentance really belongs in verse six, but to make it make sense in English, they've moved those words up to verse 4. Otherwise, it really sounds awkward, more than it already does. And so, he's talking about people who were once enlightened. This sounds like they've seen the light. They've seen the truth of the gospel, who tasted the heavenly gift. Some say, okay, they didn't fully get the heavenly gift. They just got a taste of it. Well, back in chapter 2, verse 9, the author talked about Jesus tasting death on behalf of everyone. He didn't just get a little bit of death. He, he was really dead. So the word gets translated tasted here doesn't mean just a, you know, you get a little bit of it. It means you fully ingested it. So tasted the heavenly gift. What The heavenly gift often is a euphemism for salvation. So it sounds like they have experienced salvation who shared in the Holy Spirit. You want to say they're unbelievers, how did they share? They maybe got close to the Holy Spirit, they saw the Holy Spirit, they experienced some Holy Spirit, but he says, no, they shared in the Holy Spirit and tasted God's good word and the powers of the coming age. They've experienced the working of God. So it sure sounds like he's talking about believers here, people who are saved, people who are Christians. And Then he adds in verse 6, and who have fallen away. Now. Again, to understanding this, there's even how we phrase the sentence, who have fallen away. That's really one word, and it's a participle falling away. And it can be understood to be functioning as an adjective or adverb, and and which it is determines what it's modifying in the sentence. And so there's questions there. But the big question is, what does it actually mean? What does it mean? to fall away. And what's the backdrop to this? That's where these five big warnings in the book of Hebrews. Chapter 2, chapter 3, and 4. Here in chapter 6, chapter 10, and chapter 12. And each of these are getting more and more serious in their warnings. And all except this one have a direct Old Testament reference. The one in chapter 2 and the one in chapter 10, both are using an old testament to reference to disobe- disobeying the Mosaic law. And the one in chapter 12 is talking about the failure of Esau and the failure of the Israelites at Sinai to obey the voice of God. And the one we just saw back in chapters 3 and 4 was the failure of the Israelites at Kadesh Barnea when they failed to believe God and refused to enter the promised land. And that's why they wandered in the wilderness. Now, all these things that he's just talked about, being enlightened, tasting the heavenly gifts, in the Holy Spirit, tasting God's word and powers, you can find parallels in many of the passages in the Old Testament that he's been making reference to. That use that kind of language. And some say he's still carrying forward the idea that he was dealing with in chapters 3 and 4, where he was using Psalm 95, Numbers 13 and 14, the incident at Kadesh Barnea. And he's still using that same incident as the Old Testament backdrop. And so the question falling away, several times talk about the Israelites falling in the wilderness another problem with all this is this word is translated falling away this is the only place you see it in the new testament so we don't have a lot of things to compare it to for translation and i think a good way to think about it is comparing it to the kedish barnea incident where the back in hebrews 3:17 and 4:11 he talked about the israelites fell in the wilderness So I think he's still using that same imagery from the Old Testament. So falling away would be like the Israelites who fell away in the wilderness. Now, back to the question of are these believers or unbelievers? We even go back to Numbers 14, where the people sin and God is angry. Moses says, please pardon the inequity of these people in keeping with the greatness of your faithful love, just as you have forgiven them from Egypt until now. The Lord responded, I have pardoned them as you requested. I paused. You know, I said that very slowly. You understand what God saying? I have pardoned them. I have forgiven them. Yet, as I live and the whole earth is filled with the Lord's glory, none of the men who have seen my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tested me these ten times and did not obey me will ever see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who despised me will see it. So he says, I've forgiven them, but there are consequences. That's why they all die in the wilderness. And so that may be a good way to understand this passage. It's still carrying this Kadesh Barnea imagery and the consequences of falling away, of denying the Lord, of not obeying him. And by denying him, I don't mean denying faith, but refusing to obey him. The consequences of that are basically God's discipline, that God will not allow the blessings. God will not allow the entering the promised land. And he gives a reason for this in verse 6. He says, this is because to their own harm, they're re the Son of God and holding him up to contempt. And so he's saying that you can't bring back to repentance because. You can't re-crucify Christ, and let's go back to verse 3, if God permits. That's where some say, okay, the whole issue here is they can't be restored to repentance because God will not permit it. Even the Israelites in the wilderness, many of them cried out to God time and time again, but God still would not allow them to enter the promised land because the consequences of their sin. And so the consequences of this failure to trust God, follow God, believe God, the failure to to move off of their immaturity, God may not allow moving into maturity because that's part of the consequences of their sin. In verse 7 and 8, For the ground that drinks the rain that often falls on it, and produces vegetation useful to those for whom it is cultivated receives a blessing from god but if it produces thorns and thistles it is worthless and about to be cursed and at the end will be burned this may not be talking about judgment as far as salvation but judgment as far as works much as paul talked about in 1 corinthians 3 the idea that our works will be judged those works that are good and endure will be blessed by God. And those that are hay and stubbles, he said, will be burned up in the fire. And you may enter heaven, but through fire. And so this could be speaking of the fruit of our lives that will be judged and is speaking really to the discipline of God. So, what do we make of this? For back to, okay. This is tough. This is hard. A lot of people disagree on this and have been changing their positions and arguing about this for a long, long time. So this is not the final answer, but maybe a way to think about it and understand it. And that's the way I've come to understand it now in in my study of it. He's not talking about salvation. He's talking about genuine Christians here. Christians who are stuck in immaturity will not move from immaturity and Part of God's discipline for them may be not allowing them to move on to maturity. God may put them in timeout, may allow them to suffer a lot of consequences, even to the point of premature death, but God's going to put them in timeout and not let them out of timeout as a consequence of their failure to trust Him and follow Him. So don't think so much this is talking about their salvation, but it's talking about their usefulness in the kingdom of God. Turn away from God, not deny your faith, but turn away from God and don't obey him. and You might find yourself in permanent time out from God. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time. So continue working through Hebrews.